Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Jack Collins and we are coming to you straight off the back of Fulham's first three points of the season, a 2-0 win at the Cottage against West Bromwich Albion and the Fulham side that resembled something akin to a genuine Premier League outfit. It was phenomenal from start to finish. Joining me today, the Professor Ben Jarman. Hello, hello, hello everyone. And it's our WKD warrior, Don Betts. Hello, hello. And, of course, our finest import from across the waves. Uh, it's Lydia Campbell. Good evening. Good evening. That was, guys, very, very enjoyable. And, Ben, I'm going to get you to start us off with a couple of three-word reviews. Cool. Um, off the back of our first win of the season, we were inundated with three-word reviews. Good, bad and the ugly. But here are some of the best ones. So we had uh, Jake Wilgloss with Long Live Sistrovich. We had Grant Sales with... Kenny the man, uh, Mimi Newsom with Bagged by Bobby, uh, and we had Dan Winter with In 17th Heaven, and Stephen Sheldrake with Ola First Win. Yeah, well that was it, a first win, and I mean let's start with just some general thoughts for things, because Fulham were very, very good today, Dom. Yeah, it was quite weird to watch us look competent in a Premier League game of football, um, but no, I think you could, you could tell from the first, you know, five, ten minutes that we were going to be confident in the game and I think it, it, it sort of sort of showed how the game was going to pan out but I think one the main thing that sort of stood out for me today was our directness with the ball obviously you know when if you when you look at his matchup you were probably expecting us to have our fair share of possession today like we have in some games this season where we haven't dominated but no, we let West, West Brom have the ball and then hit them on the counter-attack and we again we were, we were very direct with the way we were attacking which we haven't seen this season we may have only been seeing it through uh, someone like Lookman and then in the midfield or and then if it's been Cavalera on the other side hasn't been as direct like today with uh, Bobby Deckard over reading it looked very very different and I, I just think our team looks so much more balanced today the midfield looked like a functional midfield like it and it hasn't been like that in a lot of games this season so far I think in the first half with Lamina and Gisa at that base with Kenny playing ahead of him in more of a 4-2-3-1 as opposed to a 4-3-3. I think it was I think it was just a lot better today and we just looked like a competent football side again. Yeah, I mean Lids, if we come to you on the next the the big surprise perhaps was Joachim Anderson coming in at uh, right centre back and replacing Tim Ream. Tosin Adrabio shifted over to the left-hand side and between them they looked very very assured. Yeah, I mean I think I think I was slightly worried that we brought Anderson in as early as this, purely because you know he was supposed to be out until about Christmas. Um, but yeah, they've you know that change of centre back partnership has really made a difference. Um, you know, Tozan's already had two, two, three pr- pretty good um, games, but he had Reem beside him. Um, whereas now that this looks like a partnership that you know that, that we can really build on. Um, yeah, okay, Anderson wasn't tested that much, um, but I would say that it, it you know we had people in the right place at the right time, uh, which is something that we certainly haven't had over the past or over the, the, the start of the season. Yeah, for sure. Ben, I mean, as a kind of whole, this was a team performance that you didn't really think that anyone looked out of place, really. Everyone had good games uh, from from Tom Kearney in the middle, who marshaled things fantastically in that 10 role. But all the way through this team, 
you know, aside from perhaps Ariola, who, who had very little to do, you know, everybody was was very good today, and, and it's an impressive performance, kind of all round. Yeah, I think the the thing that stood out to me is the balance of the team, and uh, that was previously said earlier. And I think one thing that stood out for me is the unshackling of Tom Kearney and, and putting him further up the pitch and giving him much more time on the ball and to to pick the pass. I think. One thing we've talked about quite a lot with Kenny when he plays that sort of deeper role into what we like to call the eight is he slows things down way too much. But I think in the 10, especially against West Brom here, he gave us a really good focal point. He brought the wingers into play and he started to bring the fullbacks into play. And you know it's when you get quick ball out into wide areas that can really hurt other teams. And I think that's what we wanted to do to West Brom today. We wanted to pull them apart. We wanted to get the crosses in. We wanted to, you know, have two competent fullbacks that sort of asked the questions and I think Robinson and Ina did that tonight um I think that Robinson had a really fine match out there and uh, one one person I'd like to highlight as well was was Mario Lamina who unfortunately was hooked after 45 minutes was looks like uh, a little bit of a hamstring niggle but I thought he was great uh, for for that 45. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's Robinson that really creates the the ball for the first goal. Dom he sticks the ball up in the air, and Mitrovic does brilliantly to hang and knock it back to Bobby Reed, who's right place at the right time. But it's fantastic work from the left back. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great cross to pick Mitrovic out of that back post because that's one thing that Mitrovic hasn't really had this season so far is that service into the box covering crosses. It's only really been. You know, there's been the odd crumbs across, but obviously when Kenny Tete, before he got injured, he was getting the balls in the box for him. And it'll be interesting to see once Kenny Tete go, go, comes back into the side and, you know, we really see that partnership grow. Because I do believe he'll be the first choice right back once he returns from uh, from injury. But yeah, I think it was West Brom, just, it was weird. They sort of just allow Mitrovic to sort of peel off towards the back post. And then he, he headed it off and Bobby Deckard over Reed had a tap in from a couple of yards out. But yeah, I think that... We're going to be seeing that a lot a lot more this season, I feel like, with Robinson putting that ball to the back stick for Mitrich to either head himself or head, in, head for another player. But yeah, I think that that goal sort of typified what our, our game was about today. We, we seem to be playing to our attacker's strengths instead of sort of trying to create chances which, which we through a very slow, passive process. But yeah, I said, it was Ben said, haven't trying to see some finely competent fullbacks. You know, what we've seen in the last two seasons hasn't exactly been of the levels of, you know, Fredericks and Target when we got promoted in 17-18. So, yeah, it was great. To, it's great to see what impact Robinson has had because there were question marks over him. Obviously, he never played in the top flight before. And, you know, obviously, obviously he looked good in, in Wigan last at Wigan last year, but we didn't know if he could do it at the top level. And I think in his, in his first few games, he's definitely shown that. Yeah, well, let's... Don mentioned there Kenny Tete, probably our first choice right back. But how about the second goal? Because that's not bad from your second choice right back. Oh, it's not not bad at all. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever score a goal as good as that um, again. And it, it, you know, it happened right at the right time as well. Um, you know, we just scored the first goal. We were trying to make sure, you know, that West Brom didn't get an immediate. Um, chance to, to get back into the game and like that that's the way you do it um i think i think in general his his crossing was quite poor but i mean if he's going to be able to do that every so often um i don't know how, how bothered i am about that <laughs> yeah no it's um you know if you've got that in the in the locker then then everyone starts starts to kind of care a little bit less about the crossing but i agree it, it was poor and i mean Ben, if we if we talk about the build up a little bit to that goal, it, you know, a really nice flowing team move that showcased the best of of what Fulham can be when they are in full flight. Yeah, I think that 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 move was sort of like Fulham with 
no restrictions on them. And it was a Fulham that used quick ball to their advantages. And we moved through the transitions in the third pretty quickly. Um, I just thought that today we sort of played with an air of confidence that we haven't seen from us in the first handful of games of this season where we've kept the ball. Like So, for example, in that first five or six minutes against Palace, where we kept the ball and we didn't do anything with it. Today, for the whole 90, every time we got the ball, whether it was on the counter or whether it was when we wanted to keep the ball for sort of like, not possession's sake, but just to keep the ball, we always showed some sort of intent. And I think that the the performance tonight versus the performance uh, against Palace with the ball was night and day. Uh, there was clearly some intent. There was clearly aggression today, whereas it just was lacking against Palace. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really big result to, to win and get out, obviously, of the bottom three, even if it's very early stages and everything's a bit tight at the moment. But but Dom, I just wanted to kind of touch on, on the second half and it felt relatively comfortable. There was a little bit of West Brom pressure right at the start of the half, but Overall, you know, we, I can't think of Ariola having to do very much apart from kick the floor and hurt himself. Yeah, I, West Brom were awful from minute one. Everyone was talking about Matias Pereira. He was, he was, he was not, he was non-existent today. Um, and the thing is, the thing is with um, Matias Pereira as well, I, it, it's probably down to him playing through the, um, playing out wide instead of through the middle. I do think he's a lot better through the middle, but it was just a whole, there wouldn't seem to be any functionality to the way West Brom were playing. They were sort of, I mean, the opening, I think, the opening 15, 20 minutes, I think it might have been Benny pointed out, it was just long ball between both of us and see which one would work first. But <laughs> West Brom today, they, yeah, they just looked inept of ideas. I mean, it, yeah, just sort they just weren't creating anything. It's not like we were ever worried really in that game. I said there was there was the Carlin Grant chant in the first half where Angisa loses the ball. Maybe that was that was it really. Again, you know, if we had, if we had a two 0 lead, you would sort of be semi worried just because you know what Fulham can do. But I really wasn't that concerned because West Brom really weren't doing anything. I mean, they they would probably, they could have they could have even had potentially gone even worse for them and gone down to. You know, ten men. There was, you know, Conor Gallagher seemed to make a billion challenges today, which could have been yellow cards. There was obviously, I know the Romain always got the ball, but there was there was chances where he could have got another one. They just didn't look at the races at all today, which is weird because the games I've seen them in this season, everyone pointed to the Chelsea game. You know, they looked decent going forward. Understandably, they were playing against Chelsea's defense, which isn't isn't the greatest, and you know, Kepa was still in goal at that point, so it's basically a free shot or goal. Um, but yeah, it was just weird. Well, I was expecting a lot, lot more from West Brom today, just because you know I'm not, I'm not expecting them, you know, I expect us and them to be fighting to to be staying up. But I thought they at least offer something going forward today, and there was absolutely none. Lids, in that regard, and I don't want to be the bringer of bad news in in terms of you know acting negative when we've just had our first win and and everyone's feeling so rosy about it. But is there a you know a pinch of salt to be had with everything because of how poor? West Brom were and and in that you know do we have to build on this you know we looked at the start of the the 18-19 season and there was that result against Burnley where we looked absolutely unbelievable for 90 minutes against what was a struggling and quite poor Burnley side at the time and it turned out to be a kind of false dawn is there part of you that is slightly concerned that this was such a poor side that we were playing against that it needs backup before we really get ahead of ourselves? 
Yeah, I mean, look, we can't we can't go assuming that you know on the back of this um, performance we're going to shoot up up the table um, with ease. Um, you know, Dom's right. This was a very very poor West Brom side who looked to be in quite a bit of trouble. Um, what I would say though is that you can only beat the t- the team in front of you. Um, you know, we can't control how poor they were. We can only control how we respond to that. Um, I think what I liked about the performance today is that we didn't let West Brom play their game. And that's going to be the key going forward. Um, you know, we've, I think it's West Ham next. The key is to not let the other team play their game. If we can play our game, then that is going to you know, allow us to, to di- dictate our own our own destiny. Um, that was the problem in so many of, of, of the games that we've already played this season. I think the majority of them, we've conceded inside the first 10 minutes, which means the game plan essentially goes out the window. Um, when that doesn't happen and you're able to, to actually assert your own authority on a game, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in our own hands. Uh, so yeah, West Brom very poor, but we can't do anything about that. We have essentially played them off the park, um, and that we have to now build on that going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come on. So we've got an absolute load of questions about the game, about a little bit more in depth that we'll dig into, and we we'll, we come back to those after the break. But just before we break, can I just ask each of you your man of the match because I, I'm intrigued as to where you go. And I'll start with you, Jarman. Um, I think mine's a really tough choice between Tom Kearney and Alexander Mitrovic, mainly because I thought today we saw everything that we wanted to see out of Tom Kearney for the previous games and more, maybe the last 16 months. Today, we saw a Tom Kearney that found space in between the lines, that found passes, that drove over the ball, showed neat footwork that, you know, really, really pushed Fulham on his back for large periods of the game and tried to try to create chances for us. And I, for me, it, it was TC. Tom? Yeah, I'll go Kearney. Um, I think that we saw, if you're playing in his best position today, which is just behind Mitrovic in an advance attacking midfield number 10 position, you will see the best of him. I think what what was great for him is, so in the first half, obviously he had Anguissa and Lamina in the second half, it was Anguissa and Reed, and it means he has this base behind him, which allows him to not neglect his defensive duties as such, but to allow him to play his full game. And I thought he, I thought he was excellent today. Mitrovic, again, played well. I thought Bobby Deco over he was decent on the right-hand side as well. Robinson, but yeah, I think I'll have to go uh, with TC today. Lids, is it? Three out of three? Uh, yes, it is. Um, as much as I like to normally go against the grain, um, I don't really think I can <laughs> today. Um, I thought Kearney was excellent, especially considering the criticism that he has had maybe the whole time um, when we were last in the, in the Premier League, and then um, over the you know the start of the of this season, it, it's clear for everyone to see that he is not as effective in that deeper role. But once you put him forward a little bit, he can change games. I mean, every time he got the ball um, today, he was looking forward either for a pass or to drive himself. And, you know, he very nearly reaped the the rewards with with a goal. I think his performance deserved that. Um, But, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll accept that. Um, So TC for me, but an honourable mention to um, Anthony Robinson, who I thought was an absolute revelation down the left. 
Yeah, for sure. And we didn't talk much about that chance, but that off the line from a a Tom Kenny chip over the goalkeeper would have been a a fine way to cap uh, such an incredible performance. Right, we've got a load of questions, so we'll be coming to those after the break. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast, recording straight after Fulham's 2-0 win over West Brom in association with The Athletic. My name is Jack Collins and I'm joined by Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. Dominic Betts. Hello, hello. And Lydia Campbell. Hello. Hello. Right, Dom, it is time for some questions and we've had a, a fair few in. Yeah, we've had quite a fair few. One of the sort of big topics is obviously our midfield, which you saw was very good today with the likes of Lamina, Kearney and Gisa and Harrison Reed in the second half. Uh, but the, the question I'll take is from Giles McMahon, which is how good was Kenny tonight? He seems to be playing so high up like a number 10. It suited him very well. Going forward, though, who would you play in the midfield three? How does Rumlos Cheek get back in? And Soccer Amaretto Lime also asked, does, how does Rumlos Cheek get into the starting eleven? And I don't, for me, I don't think he does personally. But I would, what do you think about it, Jack? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Loftus Cheek's first performance was against, you know, against Sheffield United was was excellent, but I thought he was reasonably poor. Uh, against Crystal Palace and we've struggled a little bit with trying to get a player like that into the side because he isn't he's sort of this weird hybrid between an eight and a ten where he doesn't necessarily play high up enough to to influence the game in the the final third apart from when he's popping up with goals um, and yet doesn't necessarily have the defensive duty to to play that number eight role and so he's kind of stuck in a little bit of limbo that you'd argue up to tonight maybe Tom Kearney was also stuck in I, I think that his role is one that's similar to Kearney's. And I think that maybe in more physical, aggressive games, you're going to look for that player to, to really, you know, be able to carry the ball a little bit deeper and, and be able to shrug that physicality off a little bit more than the perhaps TC can. And, and so I think that there will be space for Loftus-Cheek in this side. And I think as the season goes on, it's really important to have quality in rotation. And this is something that we do have across the side, perhaps apart from up front now. And, and this is interesting because obviously, given the circumstances around COVID and the fact that players are dropping out left, right and centre with, with positive COVID tests and it's all quite last minute. I think the squad is very, very important this year. And I think that Loftus-Cheek will definitely have role, a role to play. But I'd be intrigued to see how that develops, because at the moment, you know, and especially after TC's performance tonight, you wouldn't change that midfield three. From my point of view, I think Tom Kenny made me eat all of the words that I said in the last podcast, to be completely honest with you. I thought today he was outstanding in the 10. And as we alluded to in the first half of the programme, it's sort of like having that foundation of Lamina and Anguissa and and or Reed in there sort of allows him to be free and sort of releases the shackles from TC. And I think that was all, all that we wanted to see. And I don't know why it hasn't been done, you know, 18 months earlier. I do agree with Jack. I think RLC will come in at some point because we're going to need to have a player of his quality coming in, coming in somewhere, whether it's from wide areas, which I'm not completely set on, or whether it's through the middle um, to sort of like relieve TC of, of some sort of duties and, and maybe you know some some nice running from deep. I think he will feature, but it's just a case of how do we fit this in? And with Scott, it always seems to be like you wait a, f- a few weeks. And you're a little underwhelmed and you start to question him and all of a sudden you pick something out of the bag. And I think that that could be what we see with with, with RLC and the team going forward over the next few weeks. Lydia, do you think it's a case of we either play Kearney or Ruben Loftus-Cheek and that it's a bit like Seri two scenes ago where they both, they, they both can't seem to look look at their best and as effective as they can in the same side? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say so. I think they're not exactly the same player, but, you know, there are too many similarities there for them to fit in in, in the same system, um, which is going to be difficult for Scott, obviously, mo- moving forward. Um, initially tonight, I was a bit surprised that he, he had dropped out. Um, to be honest, but then when I realised kind of why that happened to allow Kearney to push forward, um, you know, I can, you just you have you have to kind of hold your hands up there and say, yeah, I think I think Scott has played an absolute blinder there. Um, I would say I was quite entertained by um, when the the team sheets did come out, the amount of Chelsea fans tweeting. Um, underneath to say, you know, talking about, you know, our, our best player being benched and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it, it is quite entertaining in that in that sense. Um, but at the same time, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he does clearly have quality that, that we'll maybe need to rely on at some point of the season. But at the end of the day, um, a squad's there for a reason so we can rotate and change um, at the minute. I would rather, if Kearney's going to play like he did tonight every week, I wouldn't have loved to shake it anywhere near the side. If we're looking at our, um, at our midfield, and another question that's coming in is a bit on Lamina and the deeper role he played uh, in that first half. So, Jack, I'll go to you again first. If if you look at it, do you, do you think again it's a bit like the Kearney um, losses cheek situation that you know Lamine and Reed are both going to be useful for different types of games? Yeah, it's it's one of those really interesting things, right? And I, I tweeted in the first half that I thought that Lamine's kind of role in uh, playing a deep line thing is it's a bit risky. It's it's quite a risky maneuver because of the way that he always seems to try and turn around the first man of the press. He always seems to try and get around that extra player and and therefore open the game up. And I actually think it was a kind of key part of how well Tom Kearney played, especially in the first half, because he was able to to pick, get the ball in some space because Lamina had beaten the press to an extent. And, and it meant that the fullbacks could bomb on a little bit more without worrying about their being caught you know, too high up the pitch. And it meant that both Kenny and Anguisa to a point or to a lesser extent were, were able to receive the ball and, and look up and, and make a pass or, or to be able to kind of control things a little bit higher up the pitch. Now, that isn't necessarily always an answer because if someone clocks onto that and they start to realise exactly how Lamina's playing it, it can make things different. And interestingly, it was it was Anguisa who kind of took up that role a little bit more in the second half, despite Reed coming on and being the obvious six, if you will, on the pitch. It was Anguisa that took the ball a little bit deeper and tried to beat the man. And he got caught out uh, a couple of times. You know, he got caught out, as you say, in the first half with Carlin Grant, but he did occasionally get beat into the ball. And if it wasn't for the interventions of both Adebayo and Joachim Anderson, um, a better team might have actually punished Fulham for those things. And so there is an element of this that's a bit risky. And so when you do work out how you play that, and if it is a game that you think that the press is going to be a swarm, you know, for example, how Arsenal's, how Arsenal press, you'd imagine you might not play Lamina because the risk of getting caught in that sixth position, having trying to beat a player is, is quite risky. But what it does do is it opens up games for you and it allows your you know more creative players, Tom Kearney, to dictate a little bit further forward. And that in itself is is such a crucial skill in games like these, in games at home where we're expecting to take the game a little bit more by the scruff of the neck and win the game. Yeah. Um, what, one one other area of the pitch where there was a change there was obviously seeing Bobby Deckard over Reed on the right-hand side. And CM10 has uh, actually asked us two questions. First one, starting with Bobby Deckard over Reed, Ben. Do you think he is the answer on our right-hand side? Um, I'd love to say yes, because I, I do like Bobby, but I, I think it's no... 
Um, I, I messaged Jack halfway through the game saying that we've got loads and loads of right wingers, but none of them are actually that good. Um, I do feel I do feel like the wings have been a problem for us since we've been promoted, and, and even then before that. Um, and sadly, it was sort of ignored up until we signed Lookman. But I do think we need some more quality there, and I think trying to shoehorn Ruben Loftus Cheek in as a right winger is probably not going to work. But I mean, to be fair to Bobby, he scored three goals now this season and he does get in some good areas I think maybe it's just a case of you slot him in there just because you know he can maybe chip him with a goal every now and again but I, I do feel like it, it's still a little bit of a weak spot for us and same 10 second question was about obviously our defensive pairing at the back obviously Tosnella Rabio and Joaquin Manderson was the pair today Lydia would you say that's the, the pair you can see Scott with mainly going going forward um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, they're the players who were brought in. Um, you know, we we knew that there were huge, well, more than just question marks over Reem and and Hector. Um, to be fair, Reem has done a, a decent enough job um, beside um, at at a Barrow, but. I think going forward we need to be sticking with two, and the two I would I would pick would be um Tozan and 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 Anderson. Um, they clearly are um based on where they they have played before or the clubs that they've come from. Um, uh, they're a step higher than both Hector and and Reem. I've got to agree with that. I think that Anderson came in, although he wasn't exactly tested today. I think he looked so calm on the ball. Really, I thought he was great, and I, I've been really really impressed with Adarabaya. I think. For someone that I think what we wanted him for was to try and exploit his potential over a longer term, but has actually come into that back four and and really, really stepped it up. And he's someone that if you read the Athletic article uh, that Peter Rutzler put together, along with Sam Lee, the the Man City writer, that Parker's been after Adarabayo for the best part of 18 months. And he was really impressed with the way he can play the ball out the back. And I think that it's it's being translated onto the pitch for us. He looks so solid and so calm. And for someone of his age to be transmitting that, I think it only bodes well for us. And there's an interesting question here we've got in from Thomas Gordon, actually. It's about, so all of the new signers we made this summer, which one has surprised you most? I'll go over you first, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be Anthony Robinson. Although I would suggest... <laughs> Maybe on tonight's showing, Mario Lamina might might become this player. Uh, I think I was I was excited about Anthony Robinson, but I I didn't expect him to come in and take the left back spot so quickly. I I thought that he was a player that would come in over the course of the season and we'd see do uh, a job, kind of slowly phasing out and and into that place. But the way that he has has burst onto the scene and 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 looks undroppable has been absolutely incredible, frankly. And you know, given what the the conversations about Milan and and what Maldini said about him and we're talking about you know the finest of all the left backs um it's not massively surprising in terms of where he's got to but I am surprised with how quickly he's adapted Mario Lamina however could be the you know the big surprise here I think that we brought him in and it was a little bit of a a shock transfer in that it came in at the same time in Harrison Reed and there'd been no real chat about it until the time where it actually came through and he came in and he was a reputation as a bit of a luxury player who we're going to, you know, struggle to, very talented, but we're going to struggle to embed into the system. And and today he's done a brilliant job as the six, you know, the most disciplined role on in the side, if you will. The, you know, the, the team revolves around the six so much, especially when your fullbacks are flying forward in the way that ours did today. And he fulfilled that role to a T in the first half. So... I would say Anthony Robinson just in terms of how quickly he's you know excited into the scene, but 
actually, in, in terms of long term, I think Mario Lamina could become this player. Yeah, I, I, I really like your point of view there, Jack. I, I feel like I kind of knew what Lamina was going to be like after we both waxed lyrical about him on a podcast a couple of years ago, but he's had the, that year out in the cold almost at Galatasaray. But I think for me, as I've just said, I think it's Adarabayo that's really caught my eye. I kind of like those players that settle in in the middle of the pitch or, or play centre-half because, in my opinion, it's two of the hardest positions to play in the, in the whole of football. Um, and I've just been amazed at how he's slotted into a team that's obviously up against it, but has made so many good decisions and, and played such such lovely football so far. Um, I kind of felt like with Robinson, you almost bank on that um, potential that he has to become a really class left back. And I think we're starting to see it now after that. The showing against Wolves, everyone was like, right, he's here. Here's what he can show. And now we're starting to see that at left back in a more natural position for him, how good he really is. Obviously, he's kept the hero of, of last year's playoff final out and he doesn't look like he's going to be getting back in anytime soon. So uh, it's a bit of a shame because uh, we all like to see Book Club playing left back, but Robinson's better at the moment. Lydia, is there anyone else you'd want to add? You've got the, the key ones there, but I think um, just uh, another honourable mention this time for um, Adam Ola Lukman. Um, I think while we knew he came in with quite quite a lot of um, prestige, I think I think you know for being such a young fella, um, things didn't quite work out for him at, at Everton. Um, it seems to me like he's come back to the Premier League with a bit of a point to prove, and so far so good for me. Um, I think he always looks good on the ball, um, has a, re- a real turn of pace, very skillful. I'm just hoping that he doesn't try and do it all himself, <laughs> as he's maybe tried to um, a couple of times in the past couple of matches. But yeah, I've been I've been quite um, excited and, and surprised by how well he's, he's slotted in. An interesting question that's come in from uh, Matt Wall here is about, do you, is this a vindication of Parker's tell no one policy in regard to players fitness as in you know West Brom wouldn't have expected Anderson to be playing today yeah I mean to a point I think there's there's levels to this where you know uh, the the Anderson thing I think is a little bit different to everything else because you know Parker did say on Friday that he was 50 50 and that they would make an assessment on Monday morning so there was clear kind of intent that we'd see it I think the problem we've had is that there's there's a there's a difference i think between knowing a player is injured and not telling people that he's going to 100% be back which i think is fair enough and players being left out of match day squads with absolutely no you know talk of them being injured until it comes up 3 weeks later that they've been, they you know twisted an ankle 4 weeks ago and they could be out till christmas I, I, th- I think there is a level of keep your cards close to your chest when it's like players returning but in terms of how you know the club have have just left people quite in the dark with 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 players' fitness and things. I don't think it's a vindication, but I think there is a, a validity to with things like this not being like, oh, Joachim Manderson will one hundred percent be playing on on Monday because obviously you know you don't want those things to be to be in the public eye. But if if Joachim Anderson had been out till Christmas and we hadn't seen him and they'd be like, oh, he'll be back in two weeks, I think the fans would be right to question that. One question in we got from Sam Lockhart. We spoke about it briefly in the match review section of the podcast, but he speaks about was it more of a case of us being too good for West Brom or West Brom just not being that good at all? Because personally, I would say it was, we, although we did play well today and I won't dispute that, 
it, we where we West Brom sort of allowed us to do that, and you know we won't have it as easy uh, today uh, as easy. Sorry, on Saturday against West Ham as we did today, Lydia. You know we can say this as many times as we need to. Really, is that you can only play the team right in front of you. And um, yes, I completely agree that we are a stronger side than than West Brom, and we showed that in, in our performance today. Um, we can't, but we can't be getting ahead of ourselves. Like we're coming up uh, this weekend against a side who have been um, in, in the Premier League for a while. They have a lot of experience in there and they are probably also one of the surprise packages of, of, of this season. Um, their first game was absolutely horrendous and then next thing they're, you know, they're, they're pulling three points quite easily out, out, out of the bag. Um, yeah, we, we can accept that West Brom were a bit crap but also <laughs> acknowledge that, that we were good um, you can do both things. At the end of the day, we could have not risen to the challenge today quite easily, um, but we did. And that, that for me, is is good enough. But as I said earlier, going on, we have to build on that. Yeah, one last question is just how good does it feel to win a game of football? <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> it just, it's just that, that feeling of winning a Premier League uh, game of football. It's, it's been a long while. Um, if, but you know, as I said, it is just it is just nice to be able to talk about a win instead of trying to pinpoint where exactly a loss or a draw uh, went went wrong for us today. Um, obviously, yeah. there, as I said, there, there there is one more bit of sort of our strongest eleven, which I believe obviously we touched on um, in the in the early section from Vincent Leander. But yeah, no, I said it is just great being able to analyze um, a win and be able to analyze our best performance of the season so far. Yeah, I think that's it. Also, it just it just stops the noise for a little while, right? I think the fact that we've been so pent up and worried and not turning on each other because it's not quite as dramatic as that. But, you know, the Fulham fan base has been on edge and, and every little kind of disagreement is blown up by the fact that we hadn't won a game yet, that people were talking about us breaking Derby's points record total, that people were, you know, discussing us being relegated already, despite the fact that there were four teams on one point. And I think that, this just relieves that a little bit. Like we said, it's not, you know, the be all and end all and, and beating West Brom at home is basically the basic requirement of, of being able to even think about staying up because you've got to beat the teams around you if you want three teams to finish with less points than you ultimately. But it does just release the pressure valve very briefly. And I think that's important because we've spent so long worrying about this side, discussing it, arguing it and, and thinking about all the different elements of it that actually just to get a win and be like, celebrate that, relax, and then come back into the next game with a kind of not renewed sense of optimism. I wouldn't go so far to suggest that this is the start of something beautiful, but it's something to hang on to and something to say, look, not only did we win, but we can play well and we can hold our own. And we, we looked like a team that belonged here for the first time tonight. And I think that's important. I can't remember what it feels like to win, to be completely honest with you. It feels... It feels nice to come into a podcast with with your mates, and as you say, like not pinpoint the places where it went wrong, but actually to pinpoint the places where players have had such a massive influence on the game, and you know players playing with a new lease of life, and and the manager getting it right, and with the squad selection, I think it's so good, and I think uh, we'll start to see that the fan base will lift, and of course it gives us encouragement ahead. There's obviously a massive run of games coming up where we'll feel like our backs are against the wall, but. When you get a win, that first win, I think mentally it changes a lot of people and it will change the way the dressing room feels and it will give the players the confidence they need to hopefully keep that momentum going and, and force some tough 
tough results out of, out of other teams in, in this next few games. Yeah, well, it puts the pressure on everyone else, doesn't it? And, and that's the key. Um, thank you, Dom, for being questions master today. That was that was very enjoyable. And we'll be back after the break to wrap things up, give this a name and, uh, and just kind of give our final thoughts on a, a good night for Fulham. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. We have basically done West Brom and we face a team next that have the same first word of their, their name. So that's that's good. Nice <laughs> great link. Great. Great, <laughs> great bit of consistency for Fulham here. West Ham up next. Uh, now, West Ham have had a, a funny old start, but I think the, the big question here, and I'll start with you, Ben, is do you change this team at all to go into the West Ham game or do you actually look to play a side that are a little bit more pragmatic than, than perhaps we saw tonight? I feel like you can't really change a winning formula after after picking up a up a win. I know it's against West Brom and West Ham have looked in very very small flashes like a very good and competent team unlike their board. Um I feel like yeah, you just don't change it. I feel like give give the team some momentum, let us let us play, uh, let us try and expose West Ham's weaker points and, and and see what see where we can go. The only thing I'm worried about is the speed and the physicality of, of Mikel Antonio up against the center halves and I I feel like with Anderson now stepping in, it will be a real test for him. Um, uh, and uh, only time will tell if he'll be able to stand up against it. Yeah, absolutely. Dom? West Ham are a weird one uh, because in stages this season, they've, as Ben has said, they actually look like a competent football team, which they didn't really for the entirety of last season. Um, but then there's there's games like the Newcastle one where I know that was early on in the season. They've looked a lot better since, but but they were com- they were completely awful. Like, it seems what we need is if, if Dave Moyes can be on the touchline, we might have a chance. Um, if if if, he, if, he, if he's if, I, if he's isolating, then they, they, they seem to be playing better with Alan Irvine on the touchline. But no, I think it will be a tough game. It will be a very different game to what we faced, obviously, um, today against West Brom. But I do I do think we we do have it in us to be able to get a result this weekend because you know I do feel like this West Ham defense is still there to be got at. I, I'm not. I don't think they're. They're like a solid back line. I think going forward, they've got some very good players. You know, Mikel Antonio's looked very good this season. Jared Bowen, um, you know, Pablo Fornells on his day can be a very good player as well. There's rumours, you know, that, that Haller might actually get a chance. But yeah, I think that it's going to be a very open game in that sense that I do feel like, although to be fair, bet, bar this game with West Brom, betting on any Fulham game to be both teams to score is probably a good bet. Um, because that, that, I mean, that seems to be that seems, that's that's most that's full in, in Premier League seasons the last few years. But no, I'm 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 not saying I'm confident we we can get a win on the weekend, but I'm not as not confident as I would have been if we drew or lost this game. I think if, if this game finished one one, which is what I was predicting actually before the game, I'm not really looking forward to um this game. But a good thing is when you win the when win your Premier League game, you just want the next Premier League game so you can build momentum. And I think a result here going into the international break could be a really positive sign for the club and pushing on to see if we can uh, fight for survival. Uh, come the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. And Lids, to cycle back round to what you said at the at the very start, perhaps, you know, you said about imposing our game on other teams and not letting them come at us. I think that's potentially it here, right? Yeah, de- definitely. Um, we're coming up against a side um, who, as I said a wee bit earlier, are very experienced in this league. Um, we can't let them play their game. I think my worry would be um, Jared Bowen obviously absolutely ripped us to pieces last year when he played for Hull against us. 
Um, so we need we need to be wary of, of, of his threat. But yeah, if we if we can go and sort of set the tone, set the pace, um, play our game, that's exactly how we're going to to come away with uh, with with a win. And I, I I do think we can do it. Um, I think I agree with Dom that. West Ham are one of these weird sides who kind of one minute they look great, other minutes they look absolutely shocking. Um, but I think that it, it all depends on what Fulham turns up essentially. Um, if we can impose our, our own style of play on them, then I think I think they're going to have to really work to get to get something. Any excuse to get one over Declan Rice as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right, Ben, can we finish this? We'll circle back around to you and your three-word reviews. Uh, what are you naming the podcast? I'm going to go for Stephen Seldrake's Ola first win. Very, very good. And all that is left for me to do then is to say thank you very much to you three. To, to Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jack. Cheers for having me. Thank you. To Don Betts, thank you very much. All right. And to Lydia Campbell, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Lydia. Um, <laughs> I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish podcast in partnership with The Athletic. What a day for Fulham. What a win. We're off the mark in the Premier League in terms of wins. And everything right now looks good in black and white. We'll see you shortly. Take care.